breakups can be one of the best teachers that we have, but so few people take the time to look at that. Welcome to Good is in the Details. I'm your host, Gwendolyn Dalski, and co-hosting with me is the very talented, very witty LA lawyer, Rudy Salo. And our topic today is all about heartbreak. Our guest is podcaster of Heal Your Heartbreak podcast, your breakup bestie, Kendra Allen. She has a great Instagram, by the way, full of fantastic advice at your breakup bestie. And I like this conversation because Kendra is talking about the process of breaking up, the process of healing, of understanding more about yourself, that breaking up can be an opportunity for reflection and figuring out what it is that you want. There's lots of great advice here for anyone going through a breakup or if you are a friend of someone going through a breakup or a parent when their child is going through a breakup. How is it that we can best be there for that person? Now, if you haven't yet, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Just scroll down on Apple Podcasts and hit that five-star review. That would be lovely. And if you would like to support the show, you can become a patron for as little as $2. Patreon.com slash good is in the details. Okay, now let's talk heartbreak. Kendra, welcome to the show. When you started this project, when did you realize that you were onto something? that there was a real need for people to connect and to have somebody listen and understand what breaking up was like and that how to heal from that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. And so Breakup Bestie started out of a personal need of mine. So I had a long string of unhealthy relationships and breakups in my early 20s. And finally, about five years ago, I went through, I call it like, you know, the breakup to of all breakups where it just hit me like a ton of bricks. What I realized later on was it was the culmination of all of my past breakups kind of hitting me at one time. And when I had gone through breakups in the past, I had always gone around them, over them, distracted myself, jumped into a new relationship. So I never actually took the time to heal myself. And I feel very fortunate. I I got sober at a really young age. So I was really plugged into therapy and the recovery community. And I had all of these tools at my disposal. So I, you know, I thought to myself, I'm going to do whatever I can to really heal from this breakup and actually go through it this time instead of going around it or distracting myself. So over the course of, I'd say about nine months, I really dove in. I mean, I reached out to women who I know I'd been through divorces and I asked them to get coffee with me. And I really just was open to this idea of what does it look like to go through a breakup in a graceful and healthy way? Not to say it's not messy because it's always messy, but how do I go through it in this really meaningful way? And when I got to the other side of it, I started having friends and friends of friends come to me asking for breakup advice. And then finally, I started looking online as to what kind of advice is there out there for breakups. And what I found through Google was a lot of how to get your ex back, how to, you know, play the game to make them want you again, how to get over your ex in 28 days, these really gimmicky things that weren't actually addressing the problem. So I saw this gap for really practical breakup advice. And I started an Instagram account in 2018. So it's been almost three years. And I thought, 
I'm going to start writing what I know, what I went through, the tools I gathered and see how it's received. It happened to be received really well. I think breakups are so universal. They're one of the hardest things we ever go through. We seek help for weight loss, getting in shape. We seek help for so many things. And there's just this gap of not having help for something that we all are going to go through at one point or another. Mm -hmm. A graceful breakup. What do you mean by graceful? So I think, I mean, I tell people like graceful doesn't mean we don't cry. doesn't mean we don't get angry, but I think graceful in the way of being able to feel all of those feelings, but still have dignity while doing it. So not running back to your ex every time it gets uncomfortable, not just jumping into a new relationship to forget about the pain, but doing it in a way that increases self-esteem. Because I, I truly think going through a breakup, like going really through it and healing from it is a huge booster to self-esteem because it shows you that you're able to have the strength and the courage to get through something tough. So it really is going through it, going through all the mess, but doing it in a way that serves you and protects you. So ice cream, but with a silver spoon. <laughs> yes, exactly. Is, is another way to say a graceful breakup is when you and, and perhaps, uh, the per- not perhaps, the person that you were in a relationship with where you both agree that time is done, this relationship is over, let's just end this gracefully and go our separate ways. Does, does that also categorize it that way as breaking up with grace? I'd say so, yes. But I think most of the time when people come to me, the the breakup has already happened. And a lot of the time it's not by their choice. So they didn't necessarily have the opportunity to do it that way. So it's more about how can I just stay in my own lane instead of let me look at my ex's social media every day and figure out how he's healing from it. Is he dating someone? Is he happy? Is he sad? What does that mean for me? But really just staying in your own lane and focusing on healing your own heart and and being able to protect it in that way. I get it. I started my relationship with my wife when the early days of social media. So it was there. All my prior breakups were just as social media was getting going. So I, I didn't have to go through the true dangerous period that people have to go through these days. And that is getting sucked into logging on to social media, seeing what they're up to, not having the strength yet because they haven't hired you yet to unfollow their exes and, and to you know restrict access and truly do the, you know, the DNC that do not communicate, which means do not follow them, do not look at them. Just focus on yourself to move on for that period of time. I mean, it's just so different. Social media has infected our lives and invaded how we deal with everything. And so hearing what you've said, I'm trying to put myself into my past selves. And I'm like, oh my God, if if social media was around, I'd be much more of a mess of a person than I am. Thankfully, it wasn't around back then. The rules have changed. And so I could see why somebody like you has so much value to people that are going through this extremely difficult time. Yeah, because you used to just not see the person. Like you would end things and then you didn't you didn't see them. That was, and then before um, cell phones got to be really big. So we're really dating ourselves, Rudy, but the, well, I guess I am <laughs> this time. I'm guilty. Rudy, you're only 25 you though. It yeah. doesn't matter. It don't, you're permanently usually, 25 on this show. On usually this show, we Rudy blow, dates we me. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, just the fact that the mobile phone that we are constantly carrying around that communication. And so something that I had um, asked Kendra just before we got started is that I think her work is also indicative in a, of a different understanding of romance because 
because I'm thinking about with my grandparents that it would just be, they were both Polish. They were both Catholic. They lived in the same town. He would work. She would have a kid. She would clean. Boom, you've got a marriage. And that was the essence of it. The idea of introducing, we're going to have somebody coach you through a breakup for my grandparents would not make any sense whatsoever. And the fact that it is needed I think your work is really amazing. I think it's really, really helpful that that actually tells us a much bigger picture of where we are in terms of how we handle relationships. Yeah, I definitely agree. And we both share that. I'm also Polish. My mom's 100% oh. Polish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I think, you know, and even some of the coaching clients that I have now, they think I never saw myself hiring a breakup coach. You know, it's still this like very foreign thing for people to do. But I think you're right in the fact that I think nowadays in romance, it's important, like having a relationship with self is really important. And I think we're moving in that direction where you're not just basing your self-worth on who your partner is. And we see that with like, you know, people staying single and not married a lot longer. You know, in my generation, we're getting married so much later on because we are figuring out who we are. And once we can figure out who we are, then we can add in a partner. I feel like I even grew up with that whole thing of like, find your missing puzzle piece, find your other half. And I think now it's shifting to let's have two whole and complete people come together and form this partnership where it's not, you know, yeah. I think complement instead of complete. Yes. That's a great way to say it. It's a, it's a great way to say it. And, and, and let me just- Thank you. Because I love what you talked about because it, it touches upon some of the dangers of, of, you will, of what we're ingrained from our youth. I mean, really from, you know, I've got two toddlers and I'm watching some Disney movies and I'm watching these things. And the concept of the one, I could see how damaging it can be to a human being if your entire life you're told, well, there is the one out there for you. Okay, but if you just broke up with somebody and you were convinced in your mind that that was the one, your heart's gonna shatter into a, literally a million pieces. And it's gonna be really hard to get all those pieces back together if you buy into this idea of the one. So is a part of your training to unlearn that concept? Because I, I, I can only imagine how important that would be for somebody to understand that that doesn't exist. Yes, that is so spot on. And I was actually asked this the other day on my Instagram. Instagram, like what I believe, if I believe in like twin flames or soulmate or the one. And to be honest, like I, I don't necessarily, I'm very happily married, but I think the term soulmate is that whole thing of your, like your whole being is just wrapped up with this other person. And I feel lucky that I was in a relationship really early on where that was the case. It was my soulmate. And what that did is it excused horrendous behavior on their part because I thought that's my soulmate. That's the one. So I kept putting up with this awful behavior. It was toxic. It was abusive. It was all of those things. And when that relationship ended, even though it was such a damaging relationship, I had to completely build my life up again from ground zero because I felt like just a gaping hole because I lost this part of myself. So I tend to find when people ask about that, it's because they want to go back to this person that wasn't great for them because they believe it's their soulmate. And then to answer your question on if my coaching includes that, I'd say not explicitly, but definitely the things that we do help alleviate that. So you know, the process I take people through is the beginning. I just call it like the triage where you just are able to cover the wound and like allow yourself to be able to go to work and like do all the things you need to do when you're in that much pain. And then we go through the detox phase of 
you know, detoxing those things from your ex, from your life. I'm a huge proponent of the no contact rule, which you mentioned earlier. And, and then pur- we really- And purging as well. Like they, you also believe in the purging, not only just in the emails and social media context, but do you tell them to purge their house of all items and, and things like that, that remind them of the ex as well? Yeah. I have okay. a full detox your ex checklist where, you nice. know, I tell people like, even in the beginning, even if you just put it in a box and stash it up in a cupboard, just don't have reminders all over the place because not contacting an ex is so difficult. It's so difficult. You talk to this person every day for years, sometimes, you know, 10, 15 years, And then all of a sudden you're just supposed to stop. And so trying to cut off all of those reminders can make it easier. And then after we go through the detox, we go through this processing phase where you really take a look at what are some resentments I hold from this? How am I angry at myself for this relationship? And really getting all those feelings out. And then I really, I believe breakups can be one of the best teachers that we have, but so few people take the time to look at that. And that's why you have people jumping, like going from dating the exact same person over and over again, just with a different name, because they don't take the time to look and say, okay, I didn't like this aspect about my last relationship. Why do I keep attracting that? Is it because I have low self-worth? So I keep attracting emotionally unavailable people, which was my case. So I really take people through this learning process of what felt good, what didn't feel good, and then how can we take those lessons and implement it into future dating and future relationships before we even start dating? Because you know we all make these mental lists of what we want in a partner, but when you have an interaction with someone and like the oxytocin and the dopamine and all of those feel good chemicals kick in, like that list goes out the window. So getting really clear and grounded in that before people start moving forward. That, that does happen by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Rudy's, Rudy's been out of the game for a while. <laughs> like it totally happens. I'll, I'll have a list and then I see someone and I'm like, what list? This feels yeah. nice. Okay. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> well, something, one of the pieces of advice that you had, it was in your podcast episode, um, when you still love your ex, one of the things that you said, first of all, that I appreciated, you started out with saying, first of all, it's totally normal. And I thought that I'm so glad that you said that because I think that when people do still love their ex, even if there was some toxicity, even if it wasn't working, that to pretend that there wasn't that love there, um, to just go ahead and acknowledge it so you can work through it and that you're not weird. Maybe all of your friends and family say, hey, like, you know, screw that person. They were terrible. It doesn't, it's not helpful. So I think maybe just to go ahead and say, it's normal. I think that that was great. But to your notion of list, one of the things that you mentioned was that the reason you might still love your ex is because you don't know what you want. So what are some things that somebody should put on their list after the breakup, before they go into the dating? What are the kinds of things they should be asking themselves about what they want? Yeah. And I think to touch on what you what you said about normalizing feelings that's a huge part of what i teach is like pretty much anything you're feeling after a breakup is normal and it's so important to normalize it because otherwise if people think oh i still love my ex they interpret it and they take it as a sign that they're meant to be with that person so instead of just saying hey it's totally normal we're going to get through it it's going to pass but in terms of making a list the first thing i start with are you know the non negotiables so if you want to get married it's important to date someone who at some point wants to get married if you want kids it's important to have someone that also wants kids so starting with those non negotiables and then moving into 
I mean, it's hard to say because it's such a personal thing what people want in relationships. But I think the beauty of dating and being in relationships with different people is is you get to like pick and choose what you like. So I have people go through all of their past relationships and look at what didn't work, what worked, and then start pulling from that list. And even when my clients start dating again, I say, hey, when you start dating again, like it's probably not going to be the perfect person right away, but this is a great learning ground for you to figure out what you like. Do you like someone with a sense of humor? If you're on a date and you love that part of it, put that on your list. So it's really, you know, some of it is looking back on past relationships because again, I think society tells us that we should want certain things in relationships and that might not work for us. So using your own, I think the biggest thing is just using your own experiences to, to build that list. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that you said in that episode, and I've been on both sides of this, was that maybe you still love your ex because you are valuing them more than yourself. And you were talking about negotiating or trying to beg for somebody. I Like I said, I've been on the receiving end of that where somebody just wanted me to keep the relationship going, but I I was done. I wasn't interested. And then I have also done, been in the position of the begging, like, can't we work this out? Isn't it going to be okay? And, but the way in which you frame it, you value them more than yourself. Can you expand on that? Because I thought that was such an insightful thing. And that made me look at those situations that I had been in completely differently. It was really, really insightful. Yeah. And I, I think that really stems from having your sense of self-esteem and self-worth tied up with that person where you believe I'm only, I only feel valuable when I'm with that person. I only feel good enough when they tell me that I'm good enough. So when you take that person away and you don't work on valuing yourself by yourself or feeling worthy by yourself, then you're going to value that version of you that was in that relationship more than you value yourself on your own. Because ideally, we all want to feel worthy, good enough, valued, just on our own. And then the partner is just the cherry on top if they can do that for us as well. So I think it's really just valuing. You only value the person that you were when you were with that person more than you can value yourself. So that's why so much of my work is tied to self-esteem. And when it comes to begging for an ex back, I tell people like, if you're meant to be with your ex, you will be. I can guarantee it from personal experience. I am married to someone that dumped me And we were separated for 15 months, didn't speak, totally practiced the no contact. And like we were brought back together in this really beautiful way. So I can tell people like, if you're supposed to be with your ex, you will be. But if I had gone back to that ex and begged for him back, it would have made the breakup so much messier. Every time you reach out and try to, you you know, you've probably experienced this. Like every time you say, let's work it out. And they say, no, I'm done. It's another punch to the gut. It's just going to, it makes it so much harder because you have this expectation and it's not being met. So you're just going to feel worse and worse. And you're handing your self-esteem to your ex every time yeah. you try to ask for them back. Yeah. You imagine that one, I mean, one of the ways to build confidence is to, and the person just needs confidence. And confidence is another, just another way of saying self-esteem, I think. But as a part of your program, for those that are really deep into it and, they, and they're ruminating and they're obsessing, which can happen, do you kind of build out a plan for them? Okay, 
no looking on Facebook for 24 hours. Okay, you did it for 24 hours. Now you got to do it for 48 hours and then 72 hours. And you build it up that way because if they can go a day or if they can go a couple of days without hunting for the ex or contacting the ex or checking their phone for a text message or something like that, that builds up confidence. And honestly, I mean, the reality is, I mean, you, you tell me if I'm, you're the expert, not me, but time is the only true healer. I mean, you know, these 28 day programs that you were mentioning, which are, I suppose they're okay, but they're probably ridiculous. It's probably just another band-aid of trying to get people to get through time. But at the end of the day, the longer the person can go without making an actual act towards contacting or, or following their ex, the better their confidence is going to be. And then once they get their legs underneath them, they can go months and then they can be years. So really what you're doing, I, I'm guessing is you're building somebody's confidence up. Yeah. And you're completely right with you know, even in my detox, your ex checklist, like we take it one thing at a time. Like I tell people, you're not going to do this whole list in one day because it's really hard. But when they can delete the text thread conversation with their ex, yeah, that's it. I mean, it, it's going to hurt, but afterwards they're going to feel powerful and they're, and they're doing an act that's showing themselves that they are worth something, that they are more important than this relationship. And so, yeah, so we take it, we take it day by day. I tell people when they're going through no contact, hey, don't worry, because people think, how can I never talk to them again? And I say, don't think about that. Can you go from right now till when you go to sleep, not reaching out to your ex? Yes, you can totally do that. And then tomorrow, we'll worry about it then. So it's really this day at a time kind of thing. And and that's a really good question with time. So I tell people, yes, it takes time to get over a breakup. However, I do encounter a lot of people who will say, it's been a year, I'm still not over my ex. So I think it's a combination of time, but more specifically, like what are you doing with that time? Are you seeking therapy? Are you journaling on a regular basis? Do you have a self-care practice? Are you doing things towards self-love? So it's, a com it's gonna be a combination of, yes, there's no way you're gonna be over your ex. Even if you went to therapy three hours a day for three weeks, you're not gonna be over your ex. But there's also people who just kind of white knuckle it and don't do anything about the breakup who a year down the road, they still would want to be back with their ex. Yeah. I think one of the things that I would do is there were two things is that I would talk to somebody, a friend who I knew pre-relationships so that I could remind myself that I was somebody before that relationship. And the other thing I would do, and I encouraged one of my friends who's going through a breakup is to create a new memory, go to somewhere they have never been before. That will be some of the process. Well, actually that leads me to the next question was what advice do you have for friends to help out the person who's going through the breakup? What is the most helpful thing? Because I don't think telling them how terrible the ex was is really helpful. <laughs> so it's yeah. always, that's the worst. There was a Seinfeld episode with that. Yeah. Right? When I mean, Jerry, like, Jerry, Jerry like told, what was it? Kramer told Jerry, Jerry told Kramer how much they hated the girlfriend and then Kramer ended up getting back together with her or whatnot. Okay. All right. I'll be quiet. But um, what is some, what are some do's and don'ts if you're the friend of the person who's going through the breakup? Yes. So I actually recently did uh, an Instagram video on this, but the biggest things not to say 
I never thought it would work anyway. I don't, people say that all the time. That's terrible. Or, oh, that's too bad. I really liked him. And I say, ah. yeah, so, so did I. Like, that's why I'm sad it's over. Um, trash talking the ex also, because I tell the story of the last breakup I went through. I was with my best friend the day after, and she said, let's write out a list of all the things you didn't like about him. Like, trying, totally trying to be helpful. And I couldn't think of one thing. It was too fresh. So mm -hmm. I just felt, I'm like, I can't think of one thing I didn't like about him. And it made me feel so much worse. So not trash talking the ex. Don't say there are plenty more fish in the sea. Don't go straight into, you know, trying to make them feel better. Honestly, the biggest thing is just to be there for them and to listen. I think to keep an eye out on if your friend is isolating Isolating is one of you know the hard like the worst things we can do for a breakup, which is why I tell people this has been the hardest year ever to go through a breakup because you know we are isolated. And then asking them what they need, like sometimes they might just need a hug. Sometimes they are going to want to go do something and not talk about their ex at all. So it's really like a personal yeah. preference thing. But I think showing that you care enough to ask how you can support them is huge. And people just don't want to feel like they're alone. Rudy, do you hear that? Offering a hug? I'm shivering, shivering Rudy in my doesn't, Rudy I, uh, doesn't touch people. I didn't like hugs pre-COVID, and I'm not a big fan <laughs> of hugs. Uh, definitely. It I, seems like the world is finally listening to crazy Rudy. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, look, I mean, I, I've had plenty of friends who have gone through breakups, and I've and I've made the mistake of saying that what I really thought of their of their person, uh, and I, and I've learned I've learned that mistake because a lot of times they have stayed with that person or got back together with them, and it's just egg all over my face, and I just feel stupid for the rest of my life. So I've learned that great advice: never say anything bad about a person, as well as now we'll add a hug to the equation. Well, and and when I've gone through when I and when I've gone through breakups uh, in the past, I've tried to not say bad things about the person. Like I've tried to not like just make up some fantasy in my head that this, oh, this person was the worst person on earth. And oh, you're so much better off and trying to make these stories in my head because that just kind of keeps the rumination going of, well, no, they weren't. They were, they were good. And, and they weren't that all that bad. I just try to like, let it be. When I used to catch myself saying bad things about the person, I would stop myself and say, nope, that is not true. Don't say those bad things about them. Just your time was over. It, it wasn't meant to be. It's time to just move on and time will heal it. That's kind of how I uh, dealt with tough breakups in, in the past. Not Clearly not an expert at it, but I went through many of them. So I, I can at least speak to it, to what has helped me get through them. Years ago, yeah. your memory can go back all that way. Well done, Rudy. I <laughs> with, with breakups, it can. I mean, COVID has definitely damaged my memory. <laughs> There's actually an article that explains like why during COVID you, you have such tough memories, but, but come on, everybody remembers breakups. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I mean, there, that's what it's such an, it makes so much sense that you're as successful as your Kendra. And there was such a need there because breakups are huge. They have such a lasting imprint on your, on your life. And yeah. you do learn from every single one of them. And just because you broke up with a significant other that you were in love with or had sexual relations with, there are lessons that you can learn from that breakup about breaking up with a friend or no longer talking to a family member. And there's lessons to be learned here that you can use in, in all aspects of your life. It's not just 
It's not just about a significant other. So actually going through breakups and learning how to handle them with grace and how to handle them better truly does make you a better person, I think. I can't yeah. really, I sound like a crazy yeah. person again. I think, no, I, you're, you're so right. I think there's also an opportunity as far as growth is that one of the, one of the ways that we've been discussing this is that, um, you know, building the self-esteem, but one of the other potential lessons is if you were the person who was problematic or hurtful and the other person left. And that also is an opportunity to reflect, to be a better person. That it's not always just because you're broken up with, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person, maybe that person was making the right decision, right? Yeah. Like maybe you were the perpetrator of the, of the harm and that, that was an important opportunity to reflect. And something I wanted to ask about, since we are talking about self-worth and self-esteem, I wanted to know what your thoughts are about the way in which girls or women are socialized. And it really hit me in one of your podcast episodes that talked about boundaries, because I noticed, and you had mentioned this too, that you have a bit of, you're a people pleaser. And I am actually kind of that way as well. I have a difficult time. I'll have this mental boundary and then somebody crosses over it and I have a very difficult time sticking to it. And I think that part of it might be a socialization of pleasing. I think that that might be a girl gender type thing. That's what I'm wondering. What is your position on that? First of all, like how do we establish boundaries? How do we stick with them? Do we have to counter some social narrative about the way a girl is supposed to be in order to accomplish that? Yeah. And that's, I will say that's something that I'm still probably smack dab in the middle of, of learning and, and figuring out for sure. Boundaries have been so difficult for me my whole life. I'm just, I've never been someone that's really able to like speak up when something's wrong. I'm so not confrontational. I do think there is a correlation, you know, with women of feeling like we need to be, because I look, you know, I look at the difference between me and my husband. My husband can have something happen and he doesn't think twice about it. Or if someone, you know, if he has to draw a boundary, it's just not something he thinks about necessarily. So I do think there's a gender thing tied there because we're agreeable and that's how we're portrayed. And like what you said, Disney movies and, you know, we are, if we're in a relationship, like we're so lucky to have like a hardworking husband that, you know, makes a living and all of that kind of stuff. And, but I will also say I, I have friends, female friends that are crazy good with boundaries and are just able to do it. So I think a lot of it's like what we grew up with parenting wise, both of my parents, my mom and my dad, horrible boundaries. <laughs> you know, it's something that they've been working on, especially my mom, you know, more recently, but I've always been taught that if I'm upset with someone, I need to let it go. I need to figure out how I can make it okay within me without bringing the other person into the situation. So I grew up in a very non-confrontational household. But then as I got older, what I found out is like, it doesn't serve either person to not speak up and say what's going on because I get resentful. A lot of time I'll just like cut and run. Like if I'm having an issue with a friend, at one point for me, it was easier for me to just break away from the friendship than have this uncomfortable conversation. So I got resentful. They had no idea what was going on. They had no idea that what they were doing or what they were saying was upsetting me. And so figuring out, okay, what are my boundaries? What am I okay with? What am I not okay with? And for me, a lot of it's been just practicing of like, when I say no to something, it's still hard for me, but it's a muscle. It's totally a muscle that you have to work on. You have to strengthen. And I think with breakups, and this goes actually back to what you said, Rudy, about breakups being this opportunity. I tell people that as much as 
I might be motivated to work on myself. I think as human beings, we're really only highly motivated by pain. Like when I'm in pain, I will do whatever I can to get out of that pain. So I will go to therapy. I will, you know, do work. I will do these things because I don't want to feel that way. And so breakups are this opportunity where we're in a lot of pain. So it gives us this really high motivation to work on other areas of our lives. And being able to draw boundaries is, is a big one. Like, for example, if your parents keep trash talking your ex or keep telling them like how much they miss your ex, either one of those things, learning how to say, hey, that really hurts my feelings. Like I'm really struggling with this breakup. Can you not say that around me? And being able to do that. And most of the time they'll be like, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I thought I was trying to be helpful. I won't do that in the future. So when you're so sensitive and you're so already emotionally depleted, you are going to be really sensitive to that stuff. So it's even more important to set up those boundaries so you can kind of build this fence around your heart. It's like your heart's under construction after a breakup. So it's like you have to put this barrier up to certain people, certain energies, so you have the capacity to heal. I think that's absolutely correct. I don't want to call myself confrontational, but when uh, when I see something, I say something. I guess it's probably the best way of handling it. Maybe sometimes I say too much, right? There are there are the flip the flip side is perhaps you know, Gwen, you're saying women it might be a, a gender specific thing. Maybe, maybe it is, but on the flip side, you don't want to be overly confrontational. Sometimes you do. There are some times where you do just need to let things go. However, my opinion, it's very dangerous because those things, once you start letting them go, you letting them go and you letting them go, that there will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, I can say that it won't offend anybody. I'm actually an Arab American, so it's okay to miss. <laughs> but, um, but, but nobody else is. Nobody can say the word camel. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, no, but um, the reality is if you do just keep letting things go, you will explode. And then when you explode on the person, they'll be like, what the hell is, what, why didn't you say something to me before? You know, letting this pile up, you should have said something from the very, very beginning. I guess that that's kind of what I've learned over the years is I, I think I, I used to be such a hardcore people pleaser and I used to let things go that I kind of flipped to the other side. Like immediately when I see something that's wrong, I now say it instead of, you know, letting it build up and blow up. I do appreciate that if somebody sees me doing something that's wrong, they call me out on it immediately, not a week later, not a couple of days later. And they say, well, remember when you were doing this or saying this or doing that? Well, I was really bothered by it. Okay. But they didn't say anything at the time. Like I'm the type of person that wants to, you know, I don't mind confrontation. I like to be a better person. I like to accommodate your boundaries or accommodate anything like that. Please tell me immediately. And I think that is something, Gwen, it's a great point. Like how do we teach our kids to properly learn that at an early age so that they grow up and do kind of, you know, stand their ground and don't be the people pleasers. It's huge. I mean, it doesn't just go into, you know, breakups. It really is like, how do you make that's better? a life thing? Yeah. It's a, it's a life thing. Yeah. How, do you better, how do you make better humans? Um, yeah. And it's yeah. not just a male or a female thing. That teaching, that tool is huge for parents and for everybody. So I'm glad that you asked that question. It's, it's, it's vitally important. And I'm yeah. guilty of that, the outburst. I'm totally guilty of the outburst because what I've done is something bothers me. It's a boundary, something Ruder said, and then I've let it just pass by because I don't want to do the confrontation. And exactly as you described, Rudy, this has happened where I have blown up and the person is shocked. They have no idea where it's coming from. And I'm thinking, how can you not know? But that's not true. So I don't, I want to be careful with my generalizations. I think that in this way, I am generalizing, but that women do tend to be taught to be 
pleasers and their needs don't come first. And I think that that's why, Kendra, I like your work because I'm thinking this discussion is not just about how to handle a breakup. These are indicative of much bigger life skills and this notion of romance, of love, of partnership, and self-esteem. Is there a commonality of the people who come to your coaching? What is their own biggest impediment that you see? Because people obviously come to you with this desire to, it's painful, you know, to work through this. How do people self-sabotage? And then how do people know when they are ready, when they are healed? I'm trying to think of the biggest commonality of, you know, the messages I get are across coaching clients. I mean, the biggest thing is, they do not think they're going to be okay from the breakup. Mm -hmm. They actually think that they lost the person they're meant to be with, that they'll never find someone as good as their ex. They've completely ruined all prospects of love. And I think that manifests itself in a few different ways, but I have a lot of people come to me who, who can't stop reaching out to their ex. I have people that they just like they just physically don't feel okay about where they're at in their life after a breakup. So I think that's the biggest commonality. And in terms of what does it look like to be healed from a breakup, I think it's going to vary a lot person to person. For example, people will say, how do I know when I can contact my ex again, or I can talk to my ex again? And I tell them, when you don't care whether they contact you or not. When you can reach a place of objectivity, you can look at the relationship, you can recognize the good memories, you can learn from the bad memories, but you're able to look at it very neutrally and you can just you know, look at it, what you said, Rudy, for what it is. So it's not that you hate your ex. It's not that you want to wipe away all the memories. You know, when people say like, I feel like it was just a waste of time, then I don't believe that they are fully healed because I don't think any relationship is a waste of time. You either learned what you wanted or learned what you didn't want. And everyone's in a relationship for a reason. Even if you're in the most toxic relationship, obviously there was something about it that did something for you. So I think when you're able to look at the relationship objectively, you're able to you know, not want to be best friends with the person anymore. But you can say like, I remember after my last breakup, writing down in my journal, I really hope he finds someone because we broke up because he was emotionally unavailable. And I, I thought like, I really hope he heals and finds someone. And I thought, okay, this is so different because I always thought I don't want him to ever find someone. <laughs> so being able to have those shifts in perspective, I think is when someone will know that they are healed. I guess that kind of goes to the idea of breaking up with grace, if you will, because if you actually really you know, love or have really strong feelings for that person, you don't want them to die. You don't want them to get hit by a car. You don't want them to be alone. You want the best for that person, you know? And I guess it's hard to feel that immediately at a breakup, but I'm happy to say that I've stayed in contact with the vast majority of people that I was in a relationship in the past. I mean, we're friends. We reach out. We you know, check in on each other. And that's because literally at the time of breaking up and since then, I only wanted the best for each of them. And, you know, I think they wanted the best for me as well. And I guess in a way it does validate the relationship that we are still friends and we check in on each other and we help each other out. Cause it was like, oh yeah, you know, during that period of time we were romantic and we had had this, but now we are just friends and, and watching out for each other. So that didn't seem like a quote unquote waste of time. I mean, no relationship is a waste of time. Everything is a learning experience. Even bad experiences are learning experiences. So I imagine though, as a part of your 
therapy or talking sessions, do you tell them from the beginning, like, hey, I'm going to help you get to the place where you're going to want the best for that person and you're going to want them to be in another relationship? Is that discussed at all? I'm, I'm curious. Not in the beginning. When someone just goes through a breakup, that's not something that they can fathom yet. So, you know, in the beginning, it's like, we're going to work to get you so you can like go to work without sobbing. You know, it's like such baby steps kind of a thing. But the biggest thing I do, and it's interesting, I ran this marketing quiz and one of the questions on it was, if you had a magic wand, what would you wish for after this breakup? Overwhelmingly, the answer was peace. People just want to feel peace about what happened. So that's one thing that I really focus on on giving people is how can we shift your perspective to have peace about what happened. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because I know I felt what you were describing your clients as saying is that it feels like there is no one else. You can't even picture anybody else. And it really does take some time to get to a place where you realize that there's not just the one, but I don't know, there's other opportunities. If you come across some of your clients, Kendra, that are addicted to breakups or addicted to feeling the heartache, like, is it, you know, Oh, that's a good question. I'm just really curious about that. I, I feel like there's just some people that's a part of their being, like having their heart broken or being in and out of bad relationships that it almost is like, wow, like this is part of your essence. Have you come across that? And what do you do there? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it ultimately comes down to people are... I guess two things. People are really addicted to the chaos. And then the second part is like, if a relationship isn't intense where you're fighting and breaking up and then getting back together and like having makeup sex and like all that kind of stuff, then it's not real because it doesn't, it's not like obsessive. And I totally went through that. And I look at my relationship now and I'm like, I would have thought this relationship was really boring. And I wouldn't have even known if my husband loved me if I was in this relationship 10 years ago. And what we do to look at that is part of my coaching is is really examining patterns of, okay, how is this relationship similar to other relationships? And really just being able to be aware that, okay, like for, you know, I'll use me for an example. I got dumped three times in two and a half years because the guy couldn't commit. He was completely emotionally unavailable. And then finally I was like, I think this is a pattern of mine. And then it's what belief do I hold about myself that's causing me to attract. I fully believe that we attract what we promote. We attract people who speak to us, behave towards us as a mirror of how we speak to ourselves. So when I was in, you know, this really emotionally and verbally abusive relationship, what he was saying to me on the outside totally matched what I said to myself on the inside. Like it wasn't, it was totally congruent. And so, you know, with that emotionally unavailable thing, I finally realized, wow, I don't believe I'm marriage material. I don't believe I'm good enough to be committed to. So I'm going to keep attracting people who don't want to commit to me. If they did want to commit to me, it would feel uncomfortable. It wouldn't match. So I think it ultimately comes down to what beliefs do you have about yourself? I mean, did you grow up in a household where your parents fought constantly? And that's what you think love is. So you're going to go after that kind of a relationship. And, you know, some of that stuff, I would say childhood, all that stuff I tell people is like above my pay grade, you know, where like some of that requires some deeper therapy. But yeah, it's really just what's going on on the inside that's matching what's happening on the outside. See, I love these relationship episodes. What I'm really learning about is how I can be a better parent to my children. And then I, I grew up in a household where the, the fighting wasn't there. I mean, I grew up in a good household. My parents are still married. I mean, you know, God bless them. Thank God they 
great parents. But just hearing everything that you're saying just makes it so like, okay, here are some ways that you can act so you don't screw up your kids. And this is very, very important to me. And that, this is why I, I mean, I like to bring up these questions about, you know, what should I not tell my children about this concept of the one or, or these other kind of concepts or these things that they're seeing on TV shows now. I'm learning about the things that I need to watch out for. So Perhaps, you know, when, when they do go through breakups in the future, yeah, I, I hope they go through breakups. It makes, makes you a better person. Yeah. That means they were in a relationship and that relationship was short-lived and, and, and they move on and they go their separate ways. And, but I, I hope they could handle those relationships with a little bit more grace than perhaps I did when I was younger or perhaps other people have because of the great advice that you have that I'm learning about. And I did some research and preparation for this. So this is really helpful stuff as a parent as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kendra. Where can people get in touch with you? I'll link all your stuff to the show notes. Yeah. So the best way to get in touch with me is going to be through my Instagram at your breakup bestie. That's where I'm on there every day answering questions, doing videos. I give a lot of free content and free advice. Um, it's and good then, advice. Thank you. I thank your you. Instagram feed. I think that's how I found you said it must have shown up in my, it showed up in my feed and I just, I loved your stuff. I, I mean, I just, I, I think it's just so great because you give these just straight to the point, concrete things. One of the biggest ones is with social media, just to stop checking up. And by the way, we should just say as a PSA, because I don't know if everybody knows this, but when you check out somebody's stories, they see that. Okay, I'm just putting that out there because I've had a couple of views that I really did not need to see. So I don't know if the person knows that I can see that. And I doubt they're listening to this episode, but just as an FYI, you know, if you're creeping, if you're stalking, um, people can see that on the Instagram I also on LinkedIn. Also, <laughs> also uh, no, nobody's following or watching anything that I do or say, so it doesn't really matter. But, but, you, <laughs> but you, Gwen, I can see that. Yeah, Kendra, you haven't shown up in my feed. I, I, I suppose I'm not searching for the right things on Instagram. I get a lot of science fiction and rock and roll and punk rock things, but I can't wait to see you pop up in my feed soon so I can <laughs> get, some, get some good advice. It's probably a good thing that I'm not popping up on your feed. And it's so funny because I I use Breakup Bestie as like my main Instagram account. So I'll have friends that get engaged and I'm like, should I not be commenting from a breakup (laughs) account on their engagement? Like it feels a little... It's a good feels point. Feels a little it's weird. A, yeah. yeah a little casting a negative spell on <laughs> yeah. a social media spell. Yeah, yeah. You you're you're yeah, you're forbidden. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you have your IG account. How can people sign up to be coached by you? They can reach out to me directly on Instagram. I also have my email address on there. So there's two different ways to to work with me. I do one-on-one coaching. I also have an online course, which is, you know, just a self-paced way that they can go through my entire process with videos and and a workbook and all of that. So um, I have something for everyone. I also have mini courses. If, you know, someone's just struggling with not contacting their ex, I have, you know, a mini course that they can go through on that as well. That's you. Did you, did the mic pick that up? Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, great. We are doing so well. We are doing so well. Let her sneeze. Let her sneeze. (laughs) Okay. Kendra, thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight. And I really, really appreciate you coming on the show and giving this advice. I have a lot of university students and I think that they are going to love this episode. Oh, thank you so much. You guys had such amazing questions. This was such a fun conversation. Thank you. Thank you, you, Kendra. Stay safe. Yeah, you guys too. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to know more about Kendra's work, I have linked her webpage into the show notes. I have also linked our Patreon page in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Instagram, good is in the details pod, or you can email good is in the details pod at gmail.com. Okay, I hope you have a lovely holiday season. I hope you're still wearing your masks. And until next time, bye.